0: Boys to Men, episode 15. 15. 15. Hello. I uh, hope you're well, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. So this week's episode
1: is war films, heroism and horror. Ooh. So this week we'll be doing uh, an analysis, I'd say, primarily on two war films... Quite recent ones, relatively recent in the last
0: last five five years, I think. Yeah, two war films that seem to have been put up against each other. Yeah, for for, in terms of for comparison's sake. Yeah, aesthetically, even down to the
1: posters, the way they were marketed. Yeah. Uh, So we have uh, Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk Mm -hmm. and Sam Mendes' Nineteen Seventeen. Yep. uh yeah, we both have sort of differing opinions on them, so it should be quite interesting and then after that we'll do a quick breakdown on our favorites really, our favorite war films and how they sort of tackle the themes of uh, heroism and also horror which are kind of concurrently running through most I'd say most sort of films surrounding war and warfare.
0: Very much looking forward to getting into some perhaps lesser known examples. I'm sort of hesitant to say that because people are like that they're not lesser known. You fucking idiot! <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, no, I, just to, just to get really into the integrity of those key themes and ideas, mm. and what the merit of both of those are, particularly in the modern age, as we reflect on the many yeah. conflicts. Uh, in our history, and how films represent that conflict, and yeah. how that relationship impacts future conflicts as well. Mm. So, yeah, it um, yeah. should be a really interesting discussion, I hope. I yes. think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 We'll, say it, we'll say it in advance that it is going to be. Yeah, it's going to yeah, be amazing. Yeah. I mean, we're 15 episodes in now. We should be more confident. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be the best one yet, yeah, I promise you. Yeah. I, I really do. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Your yeah. money back if it's not. <laughs> Send
1: me your bank details. I, mean, I
0: will give you, yeah, yeah we right. will give you £25 each. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Let's get to it. Let's get to it.
2: Questing the cinematic War.
0: War. What? War. What? War. Jesus. Right. As alluded to in the intro, we're, we're going to compare and contrast mm. uh, Sam Mendes' 1917. With um, Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk, yes. as they are films that are compared quite a lot with one another. I guess because of the proximity of time that they were made. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah. In which they were made, sorry. That, that tends to happen quite a lot <laughs> in those sort of situations. And oh, as true. you said, the, the way they were marketed. Yeah, so, yeah. So um, I'll let you start with 1917. Okay. Uh, personally, I was, I'm going to say, semi-blown
1: away by this film. And I do use that word "semi" in a very specific context. <laughs> semi blown yeah, <yeah>, away. Yeah. <laughs> I I think the I, I'm a sucker for pacing, editing, visual style, you mm-hmm. know, visual effects, and the way yeah, they're yeah. handled. And I think in those respects, it really comes up on top. That's not to say that yeah. Dunkirk is, you know, it doesn't employ those techniques well. Also, but um, I just think. On a first viewing, I've seen it twice now, 1917, Mm -hmm. although I recognise that a lot of the historical details in it, particularly, you know, the way a message would be relayed, for example, that it would not happen like that. I'm kind of willing to sort of accept that. But um, the, the whole one take thing—it was actually two takes, I'll say—because there's a cut in it halfway through where okay. it cuts to black where he gets knocked out. Yeah, that yeah, annoyed yeah. me that I was like, "Oh, you were you were on a roll there. Yeah. Like you, <laughs> you were doing so well with you know it's Roger Deakins, the uh, cinematography, yes, He's like a really little camera um, on like a gyro for the whole thing. That aspect of it really won me over, and the way they stitched those takes together—it just like was kind of quite magical. They used like. They they kind of seamlessly transitioned from live action photography into kind of visual effects, and that you just can't you just like don't notice it. Also, I thought the the lead character, forgotten the the name, as played by George McKay, I thought that was a really really good performance by him mm-hmm. as a kind of uh, a genuinely. I mean, it's not often that you get seventeen year olds playing seventeen year olds. I think he was a bit older, but he still had that kind of. He has baby a boyish face. look to him, doesn't he? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. that kind of. Perpetually bewildered look that, yeah, that you, know, yeah.
0: you sort of need for a scared soldier. It's sort of like the the the, the peak of that would be the. Um would be come and see, right? The yes. teenage boy's just dis- sort of distorted, dry, yeah, washed out face, just gawping in horror at the things that he's yeah. being subjected to or party to. Yeah, yeah, you could see their faces sort of meld into the landscape a bit. Yeah, yeah yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, obviously, maybe he's not that level, but it's mm. he, yeah, I agree with you. He is good in that film. Yeah, I really liked it, and also. The kind of,
1: the way, obviously it's real time or nearly real time as it has to be with a film of that kind of, you know, the, the single take style. Mm-hmm. I thought, considering it employed that, although I do think it was a bit of a gimmick. I It did, the way it flowed and the way there was still kind of a narrative structure there, I thought it was really impressive. It has a conceit to it. Which effectively is right? Two of you go and deliver this message to call off a an an attack, right? A, an offensive strategy because they know they have re, sort of received intelligence that it's not going to work, right?
0: Yeah, the Germans are sort of baiting them, aren't they? Yeah, and yeah, they yeah.
1: they've realised this, but uh, enemy have cut the phone lines again. I think there's a reason why that could never have happened. Right, or the okay. way they communicated with each other, at different battalions, it wouldn't have worked like that. So shaky in that respect, right? Um, okay, uh, but you know, once once the ball's rolling with that, it is quite sort of hundred miles an hour. There's some really good set pieces in it. For example, mm. um, there's a scene in which a, there's a plane crash crashes into a barn. I think it's when the other fella gets shot or dies. He gets stabbed, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah that's right. He gets stabbed. Yeah, and he yeah. has to that's horrendous. That bit where he has to like sort of cradle him and just oh well, yeah, yeah, that was, that that kind of struck me. Um, uh, yeah, though I, I, I've, my feelings towards the film are largely quite positive. I'm quite interested to hear your take on it to see if uh, you can, you can muddy the waters, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: uh, well, you know, I, I don't, you know, aim to do that necessarily, but I, I think, um, well, I completely agree with you that on a technical level, the film is completely faultless. Yeah. Um, you know, and the amount of work that goes into achieving that. You know that singular focus technique mm. is, you know, is incredibly commendable and it deserves the highest praise. So, like, there's, there's no way I can take anything away from those involved in the film yeah, in that yeah. regard. But I take issue with the the way the technique is used. Okay. However, um, oh, yeah. and I feel that the it gives the the sort of the backdrop of the war a slick, mm. polished, yeah. clean feel, which I think is in stark contrast to. The environment to which the war was fought. I mean, all wars are horrible, but the First World War was, you know, I mean, if you think about the context of First World War as a, you know, the, the, this sort of modernization of weaponry and mm. all the industrialization, the mass industrialization of, of, of all of these nations and the technical innovations that come with that in terms of you know, machine guns and planes and bombs and gas and, yeah, yeah. and all of this technical, uh, all these technical advancements culminating in this horrible conflict that just turned an entire huge parts of an, of a continent into just a, a muddy nightmare hellscape. You know, yeah. I think that technique doesn't really work for me. Okay, yeah. And I yeah. felt that there were far too many moments where the film in appeasing that technique ultimately just gives the, a cleanliness I don't think works on a thematic level. Okay, yeah. Um, I think if you service a technique so much, it, it does damage the impact of the film Yeah, for me. And, and then there's a lot to be said about, you know, Obviously, film is a visual medium and, you know, obviously. (laughs) And, you know, the the idea that techniques are supposed to obviously supplement the storytelling. I completely accept that. And I think for a lot of people, this technique completely worked because for them, it felt like you were living in their shoes. It was immersive. Yeah. Yeah, But I just think that for me, I actually found it did the opposite. The film felt more like a series of sequences planned for yeah, one take film. They crammed as many sequences together that provide the opportunity to make this look as epic as possible. Right. Yeah. yeah. Which, again, from a visual standpoint and in terms of production and design and camera work and performances, yeah. is incredibly commendable. Mm, yeah. But I just don't think it gives it, it. just it just puts more distance for me between what the f- the film is actually trying to say. Yeah. Because yeah. I think there is the, the the element of the class war within the Great War. Is something they sort of touch on about this idea about you know loads of young working class or even you know working class lads who go to war and are at the beck and call of people that are in charge purely by societal rank alone. Okay. So there's this sort of class apathy right. that dictates military strategy. So cum- Cumberbatch versus yeah, A, yeah. A's so they're touching yeah. it with Cumberbatch when they get to him. He's obviously this sort of like highly strong, hoity-toity, posh fella. Yeah, yeah. As in it like is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know, and it. Yeah, he's basically obviously someone that he wants to get the job done by any cost. Mm, and that yeah. cost is a lot of working class young men. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think it's something, if you think like Blackadder, Blackadder sort of satirizes it so brilliantly. Blackadder mm. goes forth this yeah. idea about, you know, old establishment figures who have very little understanding of military strategy given a position by societal rank alone yeah. and having basically millions of lives of social stratas below them to play with, you know? Mm, okay. And I just think the film misses that opportunity in service of that technique. Yeah. And all of the attempts to drum up emotional attachment just feel like a less impactful version of scenes you've seen done better in other films. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, like the yeah. scene with all the the, the guy singing and all the soldiers are sat around. I thought, oh, I've seen, I've sort of seen, probably, yeah, I've seen this before. Oh yeah. Uh, the scene where the guy gets stabbed. I mean, to be honest, I like George McKay. Is it? He was good. Yeah, the yeah. other guy wasn't as taken with. So when he got stabbed, not to be harsh, I thought, well, I'm not that bothered. Oh right. Okay. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, that might sound a bit callous, but the ser- that technique, whilst commendable. I think it, it pulls you away from a lot of the key ideas and more fascinating elements of that conflict that mm. probably need to be have more light shed on them. Okay. And yeah, the best yeah. war films but... focus on that time, do focus on that. Right. In a yeah, way that yeah. nineteen seventeen doesn't. It's pure spectacle. Yeah, yeah. Which I think is problematic slightly. Mm. No, oh, okay. That's interesting. I am um, yeah,
1: especially what you were saying about uh the immersive nature of it all. I guess if you were to th- think of a, a film visually that is a, the polar opposite of that, at least in its initial scene, we'll talk about this a little bit more later. But Saving Private Ryan, there are so many cuts in that first mm. opening sequence, that really famous opening sequence. Yeah, series. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, thinking about it, is really immersive. Not because it's streamlined, mm. but because it's chaotic and unpredictable, mm. and mm. and you really feel like anyone, including Tom Hanks, who is in the at the front of the poster. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, he's yeah. not going to die. But you you feel that tension. But I do get where you're coming from in that, like, in in the kind of the way the cinematography is employed, that sleekness perhaps is ill-suited for a war film or a war epic, because if yeah, you, you know, because you the primary focus of the film should be to... or not should be, but, you know, in my mind, it'll be interesting and intriguing if they shed light on the horrors of it all. And I think that was what they were trying to do. Because mm. although the the whole sort of British hooray for the heroes attitude might have been present there as well... Uh, I think it
0: definitely... The, the technique definitely serves that aspect mm. more than yeah. saying anything particularly... Impactful about the nature of warfare and how horrifying it is. Yeah, Um, yeah. And I, and again, I'm not, I'm not sort of criticizing it overtly for that. I have a personal preference, as I'm sure you're going to hear, Mm. and we're going to discuss this a little bit further on in the episode. But I have a personal preference for war movies that focus more on on the horror of conflict and and how aspects of the conflict uh, reveal more about the societies that are involved. Okay. Yeah, Um, Yeah. Because I think that's to me that's more compelling than just saying oh look how brave this person was obviously bravery was there there was a lot of people in in across all wars yeah, yeah. that have done incredible things yeah. in the name of protecting their their you know their their own or others mm. you know and acts of valor that should be sort of acknowledged and in some cases celebrated
1: yeah yeah but i
0: think there is something inherently troubling about focusing exclusively on that and i think Whilst nineteen seventeen shouldn't be criticised for doing that necessarily in the sense that it that it overtly is like a sort of it's not like a sort of jingoistic film. It's not no, it's it's yeah. not it's not a film that's like, you know, we the boys, you yeah, know yeah. But I think it does Fall into in in servicing this long this one take technique. I think ultimately it does fall more onto that side than it does about the horrors of the war Mm. personally. Okay, because you can't really if you're focusing on this journey between these two characters that becomes one character, you don't really have a lot of time to move away from that journey. Mm. So you know you don't get to take in the atmosphere of the war. Yeah, yeah. It's more about this singular narrative, which I guess is something they were probably aware of. Yeah, and maybe they wanted. That's him to be the cipher for all that, and you he drinks all that in. It's his eyes; you're seeing it through his eyes. Yeah, right? yeah. Which you know, for a lot of people, it really worked. I remember after I came out of the cinema and seeing it, and I was quite critical of it. Yeah, I, yeah. You know, I was in the minority because a lot of people felt genuinely impacted by it. Mm, so, yeah. you know, what do I know? But I just think that there is something in that. I think uh, personally that it does just it just veers a little bit more into that mm. than than I liked. Do you remember the scene in which uh,
1: I think he finds shelter for the for the night? Right, so he's gone into that's that. my favourite scene in the film.
0: I oh, really, yeah, the, the bit with the the woman that he finds the.
1: Well, French lady.
0: Actually, the scene after that is my favourite scene in the film. Oh, right. Okay. When he's like f- working through the burning. T- yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That just, was good. Yeah. Just from like a, an aesthetic perspective. Again, mm. it felt like a, just another op- opportunity to go, look at this. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. But it, it worked in the yeah. context of what they were trying to do with the narrative, as much as I didn't agree with that necessarily. Yeah, yeah. I did like the scene that preceded that. But again, I felt that it was done, it was just. There are other war films that do that better.
1: Yeah, no. Um. Yeah,
0: that I don't remember why that
1: scene. With... Personally. No, yeah. I think the scene that I'm thinking of right before that—that that is a visually amazing. See, oh the bit amazing the, yeah i think this flares going off isn't yeah it? all yeah. the lighting's changing it's really dynamic and he's he spends a lot of this time sprint this time in this film sprinting yeah <laughs> a lot yeah. of a sprinting in it which again might you know serve what you were talking about that sort of aesthetic pleasure of mm. uh, you know things whipping past the camera quickly I remember as soon as he jumped into the river i was like okay, that's a bit un- unbelievable <laughs> remember when he jumps it's like fucking yeah 200 yeah. feet yeah into this yeah. gorge uh into a landscape in which I'm fairly sure that area of France is quite flat as well. So, it's like, anyway, well, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that that scene with the the woman in the basement, I remember st- being quite striking, a bit ill placed. I don't really know what it had to do with the wider narrative of it all. Maybe
0: I just felt that it was a bit derivative. Mm. And I think there are a few scenes that I like that in this film okay. personally. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Um, you know, again, the intention is is obviously much purer than, than my yeah. assessment, but I just, yeah, I felt there were a lot of derivative sequences. I also think, worth well, moving back onto the one take thing. I think it's, and this might be a reason why I'm sort of growing a bit a bit tired with it. I think it's become like a marketable thing now. Yeah, it's like a. This might sound really pompous, but there are you know there are lots of things that people who don't like obviously we studied film, so we understand. Yeah, uh, you know, and we worked in we. You know, you continue to work in an industry that's you know yeah. Yeah, the, the, you work in that industry, right? And yeah. I used to dabble with it, and we've <laughs> you know we obviously spend a lot of time researching about this <laughs> yeah. kind of stuff. So we have a vested interest, and we understand the conventions, the techniques. Yeah, well, yeah, I probably wouldn't be able to do it myself <laughs> by any stretch, but oh, man, we have an understanding fun. for the, the purposes of what, what, we're doing, what we're doing now. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Whereas the average cinema goer doesn't. Mm. And I don't think, funnily enough, as a brief aside, I don't think people... Are really aware how boring making a film can be sometimes. Oh God, <laughs> do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, no. Or any creative, you know, any yeah. anything like Especially that. Especially
1: film like this. I mean, there'd be a lot of waiting around. Yeah, like, yeah, like, like, like
0: waiting ooh. for the, like the light to be right and the yeah. weather to change. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of that. But the average cinema goer isn't that privy to a lot of the sort of nuances and complexities of filmmaking. Mm, yeah. Um, however, the one take seems to have superseded that and become something that audiences really admire, which yeah. I really respect, because yeah, I think yeah. it's about time that people who bust their balls realising these things get the credit they deserve. Mm. But I think there's a, a slightly negative element to it in the sense that it almost is like a marketable thing now. Like I remember like there was a period where every sort of TV series with a fight sequence had to be a single take. Yeah, I remember like Marvel yeah. Netflix Marvel shows like Daredevil had to have a one take fight sequence yeah, in and yeah. <laughs> it's almost like it has to be done. Yeah. to satisfy people and I just think I kind of I don't know if that's something that I'm being I'm sort of a fairly, unfairly attributing to this film on that basis but I just feel that it bleeds into that little bit more that sort of main that wider appeal. Mm. You are um, right. You're definitely right in that uh, the one take is, is a
1: novelty that is wearing very thin. Yeah. I mean, Birdman did it quite well, although I thought
0: it was quite gimmicky. Agreed. Uh, I, yeah. I really like Birdman, but yeah. I... At points, I, I do remember thinking, how much does this really serve the narrative? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know? There's a
1: scene, uh, um, I don't know if you've seen Haunting of Hill House, the TV series. There's one of the episodes is a one take. Yeah. Um, I think Alfonso Cuaron does it really well because he does it quite subtly. Yeah. Like Gravity, the opening 10 minutes is all one take, but it does cut and it's not afraid to yeah. if it serves the, the narrative. Spielberg has some great oners. Yeah. Raiders, Raiders of the Lost Ark has yeah, a really... Yeah. That was before it was became
0: yeah, 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 a novelty. Yeah. Um yeah, I love the one... Don't be me wrong, I love it. I do yeah. love it. Oh, I don't know, I just feel that it, it, it's become something that people in a marketing room would be like, right, we need to focus on the one take. People will be talking about yeah, this. Yeah, do you know it, what I mean? Right? Yeah, yeah. And I don't know, because again, I'm 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 sort of on the fence about it in, in one way because I don't want the people who work really hard on that to not be commended for it. But at the same oh, no. time, I just feel... I don't know, it doesn't sit well with me for yeah, some reason. Yeah, the
1: intention isn't necessarily
0: pure. No, it doesn't serve... And again... You know, in, there are plenty of examples where it absolutely works. But mm. children and men. Yeah, children yeah, and yeah, men. yeah. And I think you're right about Cuarón being the way he deploys it is a lot more subtle. Yes, and not quite as showy. Yeah, no, I, I think he.
1: Yeah, Cuarón is great at deploying it, like you say, and he is subtle about it, and he. It, it does always serve the story ultimately. You know, with children and men, it's ground level documentary style. You know, you're with these people and the chaos around them. Actually, that's an interesting kind of comparison because although Children of Men has it's not a one take film. There's a there's about eight or nine I think eight or nine shots I think in the in the whole okay. thing. Okay. Yeah. Uh, um. But the way that the 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 camera is deployed, I keep saying deployed. I keep copying you. Um. It's still incredibly like handheld. Mm. It's not sleek. It's like someone has got a camcorder, and that in you know in that respect, Children of Men, which contains a lot of scenes very similar. In terms of the way what where you know what things are going, it's a busyness. On. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and and so the camera is like really chaotic, and you, you get lens dirt and you get blood mm. flecked onto the the lens. Um, and yeah, maybe maybe if nineteen seventeen cut its budget by twenty million and employed those techniques a little bit, it could have been more more interesting for you perhaps and it served the serves <laughs> the serves the narrative. Yeah,
0: a yeah. Bit more? Just yeah, for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if, you could cut, you. if you could cut twenty million off just for me, yeah, please. Yeah, yeah. Sam. Save it for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um yeah. No, I think yeah, I think that's an interesting point. Um because I did think because it's digital, right? It was shot in digital. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think combining that with the camera movie just it just too clean. Mm. Far too clean.
1: Yeah, fair enough. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But I, um, um
1: yeah, I just think it personally did win me over. I actually quite like this scene with the singing. Did you? I, yeah, yeah, I quite... Um, and maybe it's because I think the song's
0: quite, nice, you know, yeah, quite mean, a nice. Yeah, I mean, again, I sort of wonder if I'd sort of made my mind up a bit too early as I was watching the film.
1: Yeah, no, but...
0: And sometimes that can make you a bit hard and a little bit less sort of open to scenes that probably, you know, so yeah. I, I, maybe I'm being a bit harsh on that, but I just felt, oh, I, could, I could have sworn I've seen some version of this somewhere else. You've, yeah, I'm, you maybe I mean? it's
1: just, I just happen to have not watched that particular film. It yeah, I can't, I to wrong be wrong fair, name. I can't
0: remember what it was, so maybe I'm just, you know, I'm just full of shit. But.
1: Although, well, there's a bit in, it's not a war film, but um, isn't there the bit in that Coen Brothers film? Uh, one with George Clooney and they play convicts oh Oh, Brother Where Art Thou oh yeah there's a singing scene in that which is fairly similar in terms of like how everything stops for a moment oh yeah yeah. and the main characters yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. the river to prey one
0: maybe it's that which if that's the case it's completely unfounded (laughs) so sorry Sam no um yeah, moving on to Dunkirk then, I guess. Yes, okay. Uh, I, we sort of we sort of skirt around Nolan quite a lot. I guess when Oppenheimer comes out, we'll cover that and that'll give us an opportunity to really get into the yeah. nitty-gritty of... I'll be a longie. No, yeah, 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 <laughs> Nolan's work, because he's a he's a filmmaker that certainly divides a lot of people. I think I've said this before in a previous episode, but I think people can't quite work out whether he's, like, cinema's greatest saviour or a pseudo-intellectual shit-flinger. Yeah, 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 um, <laughs> yeah. And I sort of sit in the middle because mm. I think sometimes he makes films that he th- he thinks are clever. Yeah, I know that obviously even someone like Nolan probably still gets studio notes. Yeah, um, so he he wants to make something that's as out there as as feasibly possible on a budget of hundreds of millions of pounds, which is probably yeah. not really doable. I feel like so maybe I'm giving him too maybe people don't really acknowledge that too enough with him. I you know at least he tries. Yeah. Which I'll always commend him for, even if I think
2: the results well, that's not that clever. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah,
0: the results aren't always
1: as good as maybe some people think they are. I agree with you on that one, definitely. Uh, I think maybe he is, like you say, more bound to the studio than people might expect because it's two hundred million dollar films. His film. yeah. So you got I mean, you can't you just can't make a film like that and not. Have it, have it be completely unmarketable.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, if you think about something like Inception, which is all about dreams, I mean, all of the it's a fairly. I, I actually don't dislike Inception. I quite like the sort of grandiose pomposity of it. But, yeah, yeah. Like it's not that the sort of visual stylings of that film aren't particularly inventive. If no. it's about dreams, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, these are pretty fucking boring dreams people are having. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's a common criticism that's levelled at the film. And I think a mm. just criticism. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's perhaps more, should be viewed more as a microcosm for the wider industries in, you know, sort of inherent anxiety about risk-taking when mm. there's a lot more money involved. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if Nolan necessarily deserves to bear the brunt of that. I guess he does because he's one of the few filmmakers that's given the money to at least push the envelope slightly. Yeah. But anyway, we, I'm, I'm digressing. We're going a bit too much to Nolan here will save this gold for Oppenheimer. Yeah, I, I think no. It's interesting you say that because Dunkirk, it's his it's, best film.
2: Okay, I yeah, think.
0: Yeah, I um, I don't know what his best film
1: is. It's more. It's
0: probably his better recent film. I would yeah, say. yeah. Because it's like it's not concerned with going. Oh, yeah, Narrative yeah, yeah. sleight of hand twist. it's with <laughs> dreams, yeah, yeah. <laughs> passage of time. Yeah. Oh. You know, all these police
1: officers—they were in the sewers all along. <laughs> <laughs> they have. They're clean shaven. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Maybe like, yeah, they're just like a load of like loads of crates full of bic razors in there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. He wrote wrote that into the script.
1: Yeah, yeah. Imagine that deleted scene. Hello. God, that's lucky. Yeah, yeah. Not
0: too shabby. (laughs) Yeah, if I'm going to go back up topside into the city, I want to look my best.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, um, Sorry, yeah, (laughs) Dunkirk.
0: Yeah, I think Dunkirk's his best film because he's not. It doesn't feel like he's postulating or anything like that he's mm. just he's taking something a story which and treating it with real respect mm. uh, as as people should with war films yeah, so, yeah you know depending on their intention i but i think he treats this with respect but he's not afraid to address the the things that we seldom do when there are discussions about war or as oh. If we'd been in war, obviously we yeah. haven't. Um, we'd be turned. We'd be both turned away from a recruiting yeah, office immediately. I'd be immediately. in the factory. Yeah, the shell, yeah. Just assembling the shells or, or the drones. Probably, <laughs> I'd be hiding in a bin <laughs> for the duration I, of the conflict. I'd probably be yeah. But um, and I'm going to just jump into a particular scene that really stood out for me and why I think Dunkirk is a superior movie. Okay. Is the scene where those British soldiers all clamber inside that is it like a boat yeah, or that it's, metal thing? Yeah and it gets riddled with yeah. Yeah, yeah. And obviously a lot of most of the boats have gone. Most mm. of the soldiers have gone off the beach. Yeah. And um, and those lads are in that boat and they're terrified and they're climbing on top of each other. Yeah. And it really st- stuck with me, really, and in a way that I really didn't expect a Christopher Nolan film to do. Okay. In the sense yeah, that yeah. he's treating war as it is. Yeah, heroism in war is, as we've mentioned before, absolutely. Yeah. happens. Mm. But I think, and I don't know this for sure, but given the casualties in in, in all wars, and particularly yeah. for, in, for the sake of this aspect of the discussion, of the Second World War, you know, the, the, there are far more people that die before they can make any impact. Yeah, yeah, on, on the yeah. Wall, right. Mm. And the way he presents that idea in this in, in Dunkirk is with these lads who are climbing on top of each other. They are literally all out to save themselves. Like, yeah, and that's yeah. not. He's not criticizing them. No, no. He's treating human beings as human beings. Human beings, yeah. all of them, in fight or flight in a yeah. situation where it is pure fucking flight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's no fight. <laughs> no, God, no. They're and. Not, yeah. It just really stuck stuck out to me, and I think it was more representative of the whole film, the whole mm. experience of the movie. It wasn't obviously people would say any kind of ha- sacrifice is heroic, which is you know oh, well, fair enough. Yeah, you know? of course, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think the way that Nolan plays with that in Dunkirk, I think is far more effective. The, okay. you know, the deployment yeah. of that idea is this. You know, so many of these people are just young lads mm. who are thrust in this situation. And, I mean, at that point of the war, they're fighting a incredibly well-oiled, incredibly yeah. well-trained and equipped war yeah. machine. Yeah. And they're and getting it's... battered. Yeah, yeah. Although, you know, they're not ready. I mean, you know, a lot of these countries in Europe were so shell-shocked and horrified by the impact of the First World War that a lot of the equipment and training and even the sizes of the armies in Europe was just so far behind the Germans because yeah. they were so scared about doing it again. Yeah. yeah. So this idea that these these men undertrained, equipped mm. and they're thrust into this situation where they're fighting a superior enemy. <laughs> yeah. And it, I don't know. I just felt like it was a much fairer representation of what war would really be like for the vast majority of the average Joe. Yeah. You yeah. know, there's going to be the occasional guy who stands on the hill and goes this way mm. and leads everyone. Yeah. But you know I think they're in the minority compared to the vast majority of people who Yeah maybe yeah of course you know feel a sense of duty but they're yeah. also scared and mm. you know the film handles that really well
1: yeah I, I agree I think the um, the moment where that kind of hits home for me is bizarrely the bit where Kenneth Kenneth Branagh standing on the mole yeah yeah and he's just like fucking hell you can practically see it from here right yeah just looking for England
0: yeah that really got me as well yeah. I mean, we both sort of said we're not you know I am not. I wouldn't class myself as someone that's hugely patriotic of course I have things that I, I like about England and I, I'm fa- you know fairly proud of it I guess in some ways
2: <laughs> yeah
0: um, but that really got me yeah even yeah. as someone that wouldn't sort of say mm. describe myself as a patriot You know. yeah yeah I, and it's and, interesting You. yeah I'm glad yeah Interesting you point that out. I just love that moment because it goes back to what you were saying before
1: about, you know, the lack of someone standing on a hill saying this way. Mm. That That's exactly what he's not doing. Mm. He's just looking at it from binoculars through binoculars and be like, Fucking, I don't have a, do I have a way out of this? Yeah. I yeah. don't know. Like, I, I'm not, I'm not going yeah, <laughs> to pretend. Yeah. I'm not going to say to like tens of thousands of British soldiers, don't you worry, everything will be fine. You can tell that he doesn't know. Um, and the whole concept of Dunkirk is based on a military defeat as well. I think like a colossal defeat mm. like, in terms of. I mean, the spirit was not. A de- I think Nolan might have said something to this effect. Actually, he said like, "Yeah, I was making a film about a retreat, not a, not a yay for us kind of moment." Mm. I mean, it's just it's fucking lucky we got the amount of soldiers off that beach that you know that we that we did, and I think that's the only time in which. He, he acknowledges some kind of success In is that, you know, right at the end when, uh, I was about to say Finn Wolfhard, it's not Finn Wolfhard, it's Finn something else, <laughs> who plays the main <laughs> character in Dunkirk when he's on the train. That's the only time when he kind of brings forth the idea that m- there's some scraps of success with
0: Dunkirk. Yeah, saving the, the lives eventually. is the success. Yeah, it? yeah. And I guess, you know, the, the fact that so many... Civilians, you know, risk their lives to save. Yes, you know, many others. I mean, that is obviously worthy of, mm. um, obviously worthy yeah. of acknowledgement and um, yeah, yeah, the the, the the hero was the hero uh, accolade. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> also interesting the way because obviously it wasn't just British soldiers on the beach; there were French. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah. and I think there were other nationalities. I, I can't quite remember, but I mean, they're not allowed on. It's the British soldiers on first. Yeah, you know, that's and that's right, yeah. Again, another interesting aspect, which I think they explore quite well, mm. is you know, we're all in this together, but we're getting our boys off first. Yeah, you know, yeah. you French can wait. Mm. It's like, well, you know, we fought and died together, you know, and yet, you know, it's, it shouldn't be about yeah. that, you, you know? know. No, no, yeah, that's a curious. But um, yeah, I, I just think the film, I think you're right, and I, I, it's strange, even though obviously historically Dunkirk is a defeat, I'd not quite considered the emphasis on that in the film.
1: Yeah, yeah, I always Um, thought it was about uh, just a complete defeat, which is odd for a Nolan film because his films aren't chiefly concerned with that theme, really no Um, they're not necessarily concerned with success either like it's more of a grey area I think they occupy yeah yeah Uh, but there's always a more usually a more overt moment in the film where you think okay everything's going to be alright like the end of Inception yeah the spinning top kind of judders slightly yeah but you know yeah and you know I mean the most (laughs) the Dark Knight Rises right where he lifts that glass of wine up in Italy and he's like don't worry I'm okay yeah (laughs) yeah studio notes (laughs) I swear man that's got to be it
0: completely yeah yeah And again, I think if we're going to talk about technique, the film is beautifully shot. Yeah, and the sound design is probably the you know the best for. I mean, Nolan films, you know, <laughs> don't always have the best sound design. No. Let, let's be honest. But here, the way he uses sound, almost in a discordant height and fashion, yeah, works here. You know, the, mm. particularly with the stukas. Yeah, um, God, because the Stuka... the. I mean, this is sort of a bit of an aside, but that was not, that. That's not part of the engine, is it? It's actually built. It's like a. They built that into the plane to make that noise to terrify people. Oh, right. Yeah, okay, yeah. there you go. It's yeah, all yeah. about that psychological. <laughs> and they really tap into that when they're on the beach and the mm. Stukas are just strafing the beach. It's just a massacre. And yeah, yeah. The, but the sound design, it's actually... I mean, I, I, I'm really annoyed at myself. I didn't actually see it in the cinema. Oh, okay. And I remember my friend saying, you have to see it in the cinema. And I know a lot of people say that. And I heard that quite a lot. Mm. And for some reason, I just didn't. And I watched it at home. And it still got me. The sound uh, design yeah. was still—it's mm. really a really essential part of the themes that we're just talking about. The yeah. idea of fear, mm. uh, the idea of a lack of heroism, yeah. and the idea of defeat. It, you know, the 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 sound the sound of those Stukas punctuates each of those themes really well. I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because, I mean, dialogue isn't a big
1: part of Dunkirk.
0: No, it isn't. Yeah, you're right.
1: often that's where his sound design... I'm not saying Nolan himself designs the sound for the film, (laughs) but he definitely fucking stands on, like, next to them. Yeah. And says, ah, turn up the bass and turn down the dialogue. It doesn't matter in Dunkirk because the dialogue's superfluous anyway. It's all about the actions and it's all about... Yeah, like you say, the soldiers clambering over each other and when the German soldiers start... um, target practice on the boat, right? And they think they're getting shot at and they're just fucking... They're not saying anything. Yeah. They're just... um, They're just whimpering and and, uh, and obviously they would be screaming if it wasn't for the proximity. Hmm. Um, Yeah, I didn't... didn't think about the sound design in Dunkirk. I'd love to give it another watch on my superior television. <laughs> <laughs> the last time I watched it was on a laptop, I think. So, oh wow, yeah. that is. Uh... I did see
0: it in the cinema, but um,
1: yeah, the second time was on a on a little tinny laptop. Oh so. wow, there you <laughs> go. Yeah. yeah,
0: the modern, the modern, the modern spectatorship yeah. of cinema, right? Yeah, yeah. I remember weirdly. Um, this is a real aside, but on the, on that on that sort of tangent, yeah. my mate really liked Once Upon a Time. You, you might be listening, actually. Um hello Ollie. Uh he he was once he bought Once Upon a Time in America on Blu ray. Oh yeah. And they yeah. gave a code to watch it on your phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, watch like yeah, a ridiculously yeah. long I don't know how long is that film, but the extended cut's like five hours yeah. or something and you're watching it on your phone, <laughs> like what the fuck? What a waste of your time oh, to mate, do that. that but is... it's just strange that they all would offer it and there's yeah. a picture of it on the phone, like a fucking Anyway. It's <laughs> bizarre. It is weird. <laughs> But yeah, no, I, I, I can, I think the sound is really important. in The film visually as well. I mean, the shots of the Spitfire. I mean, I think that's probably the only time the film gets a bit flag wavy. Because I think because yeah, yeah. the Spitfire, of course, is a, an icon, yeah, isn't it? It's yeah, like yeah. A, the iconography of the Spitfire.
1: That's a r u f then. It's not RUF. <laughs> the RUF. That's the, the, the African conflict.
0: Um, yeah, yeah. RAF. <laughs> um, you know, it's a, it's a symbol of British defiance, mm. British ingenuity, engineering. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, it's it sort of, I don't know, maybe if Nolan's intent was to use that to, as sort of levity in the film. Yeah. Um, but even still, I didn't necessarily mind it. No, for some I don't. And again, I'm not the kind of person who whacks off over that sort of stuff, but, yeah, you know. Yeah, I'm not an aviation enthusiast
1: at all, but uh, and I actually do think just windmills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, oh, wind turbines, mate. (laughs) Oh, sorry, yeah, wind turbines, yeah, yeah. Windmills are all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, No, I think I do think that the um, that was the weakest section of the film. Actually, the the air because it's the air it's the land and it's the sea isn't Mm. it There's three Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Uh, mm -hmm. the sea was really riveting and most sort of I I hesitate to use the phrase action packed but it was the most tense and nail biting fast paced the beach uh, the beach scenes um, on the land on the mole were like the most kind of subdued and reflective and then I do think this air was sort of awkwardly placed somewhat. See, yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, 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 Great little ending when it lands.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, and he burns in... the he burns the Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's a spit fire. It could be a hurricane. I, I don't know. I think actually shot more planes down, didn't it, the hurricane? Oh really? Or a hurricane, yeah, uh-huh. and the Spitfire? There you go. So it could be. Yeah, Research.
1: No, I've got a feeling it might have been a Spitfire. That I don't know. I know they crashed a, a real Spitfire for the. Did film. they? Yeah. Did yeah. they
0: build it and crash it? I think. Surely the. the I mean, if they crashed got... an actual Spitfire, I might be right. Da- Daily Mail would be yeah. all over it. Like. I've got a feeling they did. You know, I, do, might I seem to remember. Do you know what? It's funny. It's sort of. It's. I was about to say erecting. It's, it's giving me an erection yeah. no um, it's uh, it's bringing back a, a memory I don't know what the word was it was similar to erection I don't, maybe I'm just thinking about it insurrection no yeah. um, just yeah. hearing you talk about World War 2 planes just yeah. gets me going Ben
1: I might be getting it confused with tenet in which they did crash a real plane although it wasn't a spitfire it was a passenger jet so maybe I'm wrong should have done my research it's been a busy week busy week yeah let, yeah. Yeah, let us off come on <laughs> Um, I don't know uh, how it compares to 1917. Then I, I hold both films hold like quite. I hold in quite high regard. I, th- I think I actually do agree with you in a sense in that Dunkirk comes up on top. Mm, okay. But actually, if someone said to me, "Do you want to watch 1917 or do you want to watch Dunkirk?" depends on what mood I'm in. But I might actually just for sort of viewing pleasure purposes and more even like escapism a little bit. I would probably choose 1917. You know,
0: I, do you know what I? I think that's that's interesting in the sense of what we were talking about earlier in regards to the film being more palatable. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I, I think, think so. there's something more palatable about yeah, about yeah. about 1917. Mm, and maybe yeah. that speaks more to what you know what we you know to the idea of war films in general and how we consume war films in yeah, the sense yeah. that we don't want to be reminded. It's all shit. Yeah, you know, they yeah. obviously are. But, yeah, and you know, if you
1: want, if you are watching a war film, in theory, you should be expecting those kinds yeah, of things. Yeah, right? yeah, <laughs> yeah I, would, I would
0: hope so. Yeah. Um, mm. And again, that's where my problem lies. Yeah, yeah. But I, I don't necessarily begrudge people who would probably choose that for the easier ride. Yes, it is an easier ride. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, I think by the tone of how I've talked about both films, you can tell I much prefer Dunkirk. Yeah, yeah. Um, just for that you know i mean again there are films that go far deeper into that unflinching portrayal of warfare Yeah, but yeah. i think it's interesting to talk about both these films together because they're both films that came out within close proximity to each other uh, to each other and um they're also films that have you know thematically quite similar mm. and i think they're just compared a lot and I think it was interesting to, to sort of weigh them up. Yeah, yeah. So obviously we could talk about how there's other films from other eras and other countries. We, you know, we've already mentioned Come and See, which is probably the most harrowing war film you'll ever see. Jesus, yeah, yeah. Um, but horrendous. to compare it to those two films, it would... Obviously, you can because they're war films, but for the context of, of comparison, it would be unfair. Maybe yeah, because, yeah. you know, come and see is fucking way above both of these movies. Yeah, these films also, both of them, nineteen seventeen and Dunkirk, are mainstream entertainment films as they well. Are, yeah. So that's why I think there's an additional layer of why they've been put together and why they're often compared. Yeah, yeah, because they're seen by the same circles. Yeah, completely. whereas I'd wager, come and see probably wouldn't pull people in as much. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> unless you want to have like an auditory bomb- and visual bombardment that genuinely leaves you more to for about a week after watching it. Yeah. yeah. uh, Which is, you know, the point, and I think it should be the point of war films. Yeah. So that's why, for me, it's probably the best. Mm. Let's move on then to some of... Keeping those themes in mind. Yeah. uh, Heroism and... Horror. Horror. You know, what films stand out to you in the presentation of either, either positive or negative? See, we we sort of talked about a couple of Mm. films before, didn't we?
1: Yes. So I've got one to start off with which i feel like toes the line with both it's a, okay it's an american film although okay. directed by sam mendes british director director of 1970 oh yes yeah 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 so nice jarhead yeah yeah it's jarhead yeah uh, about the the golf golf war okay um, which was a curious addition to the kind of the, the war film collection in yeah. in that it's about a war that was by and large pretty dull and boring it's it, there's a lot more, a lot less focus on like ground troops. So uh, it was the '90s, I think it mm-hmm. took place. Um, so it was a lot more aerial warfare and a lot more sort of tactical bombing and uh, sort of fighter jets and stuff. The the war sort of not not to say that it wasn't fought on the ground. There were some ground battles. There yeah, were yeah, but they were a lot more few and far between. And this Jarhead focuses, I think on a group of bored soldiers, basically. Right, okay. It has its problems, Jarhead. It's not a perfect film at all. The ending, a lot like another film we're going to discuss, is confusing and a bit weird. And, um, like, again, it, it does sort of dilute the message of it a bit. And But there's one scene that really jumps out at me in that... Um, it's a kind of gun ho American soldier looking at the, the planes overhead, and he's like, "We're gonna smoke them, right?" He's like, "Yeah, yeah," and he's like, "Hold on a minute, they're coming the wrong way," and he's like, "Hold on," and you can just see all of this sort of um, sort of American hairy chestiness just disappear from his mm. face, and he realizes it's an instance of friendly fire, and I like that the film. Sort of acknowledges that that did happen, yeah. And yeah. that that is, you know, <laughs> as tactical and as sort of thought out as these can be, you're gonna have. There's gonna be instances of friendly fire. Mm. And there's another moment at the end which is just gold. I think uh, Jake Gyllenhaal just that basically the war's over, right? Right at the end, he almost shoots someone, and then they call in a fucking airstrike, and you can see all this pent up rage and sort of anger that quite happens happens quite a lot with. Soldiers, in in the way they've been recruited, they've basically been recruited
2: f- to kill. To kill, yeah, yeah, yeah and they're yeah.
1: like, "You are going to get to shoot people, right?" And it's going to be like it's a video like full metal game. jacket, exactly. Yeah, 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 I actually think Full Metal Jacket does it a lot better, and Jarhead is a bit derivative of it. Okay, but um there is, yeah, there is a moment at the end where he's looking around him, and all these soldiers are celebrating and dancing, and he's like, "I never shot my rifle," and there is just that moment of just they were convinced they were going to be heroes, right? And they're not because <laughs> mm. they haven't done anything. They haven't contributed to this to, to the war effort at all. They're just there as almost a backup plan if everything goes right, tits yeah. up. That's what I always thought. That struck me as odd about mm. John that. but at the same time, there are a lot of moments in the film which do subscribe to the American flag waving. That is odd. It's like the screen the screenplay was written by two different people. One one of them a pacifist, and the other one.
0: A kind of pro military. Like a going. jingoist. Yes, absolutely. Aspista jingoist, sort yeah, of, uh,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> kind of like wrestling for control over the sort of key themes of the screenplay. Yeah, completely. Yeah, yeah. that's an yeah. interesting point. I've not yeah. considered it. I mean, I watched the film a very, very long time ago before mm. I really got into movies. So, yeah, yeah. I can't really remember what I thought about it, but I really like the idea of the, the bored soldiers and the yes. ideas of heroism that they're drunk on. Yes. And that. heroism through violence. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, that they never quite get to realise no they never do and there's something troubling about that inherently Mm. but um, and the fact that they don't get to do that is also a comment about I don't know I guess how like warfare is changing yeah and and how how, it can be really excessive as well and how it's yeah yeah Uh, yeah I I think the
1: American military might perhaps have a problem with over recruitment Um, oh yeah and you know maybe like th- their interest in having a permanent standing army is baffling to me, <laughs> considering they've got nukes and stuff. You just like, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not, mate. I shouldn't. I shouldn't weigh in on these issues. <laughs> I have absolutely no idea. But like, yeah, it's bizarre to me that that notion—the uh, continued cycle of recruitment and having, you know, the idea that you're going to be doing. Like an almost call of duty level every
0: other weekend. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's interesting you say that, and I think obviously, yeah, we might be wading into territory that isn't really familiar to us, as we often do in Cinder Boys (laughs) to Cinnamon, often to our detriment. (laughs) But uh, I I think there is something in that, in the notion of of how society values the military Mm. and how we view a standing army and the importance of the standing army. Yeah, yeah. I think I always find that the idea of, of really keeping a standing army and being really sort of emphatically behind everything they do i find that just in just chilling personally. yeah 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 completely but uh, yeah interesting i'm gonna stay with the theme of bored soldiers okay. frustrated soldiers yeah yeah it's funny i didn't actually consider this film until you said that and okay. i've got the dvd right here in front of me because oh, i'll show oh. you in. yeah uh hear that there we go oh that's the problem i'm gonna change that live here <laughs> Oh mate, the disc, has fallen the disc is tray. falling out of the out. It's so annoying when that happens. Yeah,
1: it seems to happen
0: out of nowhere. I as know. Well. Yeah, <laughs>
1: just collector problems.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, this is a film called uh, G.I. Samurai. Okay. Yeah, yeah. uh, Sonny Chiba. So Sonny Chiba is yes, yeah, essentially the the Japanese equivalent of Bruce Lee. Right. Yeah. Um, who's in? You know, essentially is in is in lots of different films in from like the sort of sixties and seventies and eighties. Uh, sister Street Fighter, Street Fighter series, and you, you know the Executioner series, and <laughs> but he's also aside from being in like quite sort of like quite violent action or martial arts films, he's also been in quite a lot of like sort of grubby exploitation films, detective, police dramas. So yeah, he's yeah. an actor that's got quite a lot of strings to his bow, yeah. and I think he's a, you know he shows regularly that he's far more than just a martial artist. Yeah, okay. GI Samurai basically focuses on. Um, what is called the ja- it's called the Japanese Defense Force, isn't it? the Japanese Army? I think. I think so, yeah. And they're on training exercises, and um, in the modern day, or was then the modern day? And then um, a bizarre instance transpires. It's like this sort of kaleidoscopic, trippy time travel sequence, and this group of soldiers with all this technology, <laughs> yeah, go back in time. Oh wow! They okay. go back in time to feud to feudal Japan. Right, so, yeah, yeah, and uh, it's—I think it's the Sengeku period of Japan, which is a sort of famous for being a type time of like political, social upheaval, a lot of war, mm. a lot of instability. Yeah, yeah. And what basically happens is that these men who are a part of the Japanese defense force end up becoming embroiled in this feudal conflict with yeah. modern weaponry.
1: Right, oh man. I like so
0: it's—it it sounds like a really sort of. Um, Sort of army of darkness almost. yeah yeah <laughs> it sounds like yeah yeah like a sort of sam raimi sort of japanese equivalent of sam raimi but you know it, it's actually like a really fiercely it's a very fierce anti-war film it sort of okay. channels that sort of you know okay hmm, let's have a look yeah, um yeah. it's sort of a, <laughs> you know it, it's again my knowledge on this area of history isn't particularly strong so forgive me if, you, if if i'm talking shit here but you know i, I think it channels that frustration because obviously japan was still in this period of uh its military being completely subdued by western powers mm. after the uh, the second world war so obviously when the japanese surrendered they had to reduce the size of their army hugely yeah which yeah it's well quite interestingly into the context of what we were discussing earlier in relation to jarhead and, and this sort of idea about having a standing army yeah yeah is that it's almost part of national pride and national identity. Yeah. And in here, it's sort of presented this idea that it's almost like they've had their balls cut off. Right, and yeah, there's this yeah. sort of inherent national frustra- frustration. It's mm. not all shared by everybody, obviously, yeah, yeah. but by the sort of traditional ideas of the country and the yeah. its people. And the soldiers embody that frustration. Okay. And ah. um, then they exercise this frustration in, a, in an era where obviously they're fighting people with bows and arrows and samurai swords. Oh, man, yeah. And it sounds like really wacky, but it, it actually becomes quite a sort of like... There's a lot of arresting imagery and quite sad moments that you just wouldn't like... Yeah, like yeah. There's like tanks rolling through all these... Ca- it's, like, the battle scenes are massive. Really? There's like <laughs> okay. samurai and arrows like, flying in the sky, and the tanks and helicopters and stuff. Yeah. It's really... It must have been a fucking like, boar lake to shoot. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I just think it's really worth, worth put, putting out as a film. It's very little known. I only sort of chanced upon it when I was going through a big Sonny Chiba binge and Mm. I kept buying his films on Blu-ray and DVD where possible and this this just came up. Oh man, okay. (laughs) It's a real hidden gem. I think this is what you would call a hidden gem.
1: G.I. Samurai. I often
0: fantasise if I ever became a... A sort of merited screenwriter. This would be the film I would would follow up with. Oh, oh right, okay. I buy yeah, the yeah. rights to this straight away and do one about the American Civil uh, the English Civil War. Oh really? Yeah, oh, that's, yeah. A, that's quite a good idea actually. But, uh, <laughs> don't steal it. No, no, no,
1: no. his intellectual property. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. he's he's written the screenplay and he's sent it back to himself. It's copyright. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't take it.
0: Yeah. Um, oh wow, okay, that's interesting. I like yeah uh, I need to watch that. That sounds really cool. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting film. Um not only for the way it sort of broaches that the message of the anti war message by going backwards, even further backwards into yeah. a period, but it also you know, it, it takes that anti war message in something that is quite inherently quite wacky yeah, and makes yeah. it feel like really, really sort of uh, emotionally and intellectually involving in a way that I was really genuinely surprised by. So, yeah, really worth a go. Brilliant. If, if you can get it. It was really hard to find. The okay. was quite expensive. So, yeah, it looks like quite... A, um, yeah. yeah.
1: But, yeah, worth a go. Lovely. I to mention it. So, I kind of want to briefly talk about The Hurt Locker. I don't want to delve into it too much because I don't think I have an awful lot to say about it. But we were discussing this brief year, briefly earlier. And um, I really didn't see that much merit in this film
2: <laughs> when in I strange, watched it. It, was a real, yeah.
0: it, was a really, it really cleared up, wasn't it? Yeah. It was one of those films that when it came out, everyone was talking about it. Yeah. Everyone loved it. Yep. And so did the awards, the Oscars. they won one Oscar. Catherine yeah. Bigelow won, I think.
1: Did it, did it win a few? Or am I just... I think it won four or five. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Five. I mean, I got the impression it cleared out. Mm.
1: Yeah, I never got on with it. I just thought... And I never quite put. Could, put my finger on why that was i thought and you you kind of earlier on you sort of illustrated it quite well in in that the ending is so bizarre <laughs> yeah and you're right i didn't think about it in that way but the message of that film just gets really muddled in that ending of uh, you know obviously the film is by and large you think it's focusing more on the horror and it's a specific film it's about a bomb disposal mm. and uh and the kind of tension that derives from that it, it does the do the tension quite well but yeah it's a well-made movie yeah yeah but like i just think i remember thinking it was a bit sort of wafer thin almost Mm. in the way that it kind of in in its central message it just was really muddled and unfocused so and yeah and when you mentioned the ending with that um i'm kind of really paraphrasing you now no but uh the the ending with that rock music him in that supermarket being miserable and then going back to uh the middle east and it him being back in his bomb suit in that big sort of huge... Yeah, yeah, and, and then metal soundtrack. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so bizarre. It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Odd. um, So a confusing way to deal with horror and heroism. Um, yeah, he, I, he really incongruent mix, I thought, in that movie. I mean, yeah, I didn't yeah. dislike the film. I thought it was just a fairly average war movie. Mm. Oh, um, yeah. I didn't come away from being feeling especially moved yeah nor did i feel it i mean again i think it's always gonna be a hard ass getting a hard ass yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be a bit of a hard ass yeah no it's gonna be always gonna be a hard ass getting me g'd up and enthusiastic for any conflict yeah, yeah um yeah i think you're right that sort of muddled nature of presenting the trauma of war the difficulty of war and the, and the aspect of sort of this sort of adrenaline junkie side of it you know like yeah. renda's character clearly there's something in what he's doing and I guess history is littered with people that do seem bizarrely well suited to that (laughs) way of life and Mm. I think the film tries to explore that um, in different guises but yeah I just think the ending is atrocious I think Mm. whatever sort of emotional connection I had with with, with the character and indeed the themes of the film, which was pretty minimal anyway, for the reasons you've mentioned, Yeah, yeah. It gets absolutely shat out of the fucking window <laughs> with that sequence. I, I remember yeah. thinking, "Is this a joke?" Yeah, it's as bad, and it's not as criminal in this film because this film's a ridiculous sci-fi. The use of uh, what's that fucking song at the end of Edge of Tomorrow?
2: <laughs> I need know to know
0: no yeah, yeah, like, yeah, what the yeah. fuck's that about? Well, that didn't bother me as much because no. it's a fucking sci-fi film. Yeah, exactly. a pretty good one, I might add.
1: Oh, I liked that But it.
0: like, you know, like. I was like, "What?" But here, it's just like all of the sort of like meaningful or attemptedly meaningful mediations on the things we just discussed. Mm. He so. likes bombs and war. Yeah, yeah. Ding. <laughs> you know. I was like, "Fucking hell, that is dreadful." Weird. And yeah. misguided for someone like Catherine Bigelow.
1: Yeah, I um, I don't like a uh, zero doc thirty either. Actually, no, um, I don't. Maybe I missed the point, but I thought it was just. The pro torture stuff at the beginning put me off massively. Maybe it wasn't pro torture, and maybe there was some nuance to it that I didn't understand. But um, yeah, I'd, too long. Uh, <laughs> I like Jessica Chastain as an actress. I think she's really yeah accomplished. fantastic. Yeah, and she plays a. You know, I think Catherine Bigelow it, likes obsession, obsession with stuff. Right? Even like Point Break, they have the sort of adrenaline junkies. Yeah,
0: them. yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. actually. Yeah. yeah.
1: So she, she, you know, she's got a, a something to something to touch on in all of her films but
0: yeah didn't like that one either no I I agree with you about uh, The Hurt Locker Mm, crazy yeah moving on then I think I will go for one more I think I was trying to pick because I think we've sort of obviously you know there's a lot of heavy hitters um, but I want to talk about MASH oh okay yeah good uh, Robert Altman yeah a film a war film that obviously set during Vietnam which we haven't talked about
1: no no yeah quite a key Uh, conflict especially in cinema yeah, yeah I mean
0: it's arguably, you know, some of the most well-acknowledged, some of the most widely-acknowledged war films as the best war films of Vietnam. War yeah, films, bizarre. They, really?
1: I think uh, the fact that they have nice sunsets in Vietnam helps. <laughs> yeah. so it quite, looks quite nice on the screen. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, yeah. What strikes me so much about the film is that it starts off as this sort of zany, wacky... I mean, I've not seen the series, so I mean, that might probably inform my understanding of it, of it a lot more, but the film just it sort of really explores the sort of wackiness of of the war and the conflict and you know, you talk about the idea of you know, people sort of sat around being bored. Yeah, It's yeah. almost a bit like that in MASH, and there's sort of a <laughs> wild shit they get up to. The, yeah. And it really focuses on... Because I think one of the aspects of the Vietnam, the War in Vietnam that a lot of people don't really acknowledge, and I didn't till really recently, was the amount of resistance within the military towards the conflict.
1: Oh, okay, yeah. You know, we yeah. all
0: think about like, the hippie movement or the rise of the hippie movement and, and yeah. you know, the home movements that... Put considerable pressure on the administration at the time to stop the war, but there was actually a lot of people within the military that were that didn't fight. There were whole yeah. units of soldiers that refused. Mm. Boats got taken over in the navy. Oh my god! Like yeah, there's yeah. really famous cases of like a few big, huge, you know, vessels in the navy being commandeered by people that just didn't want to fight. Oh, okay, yeah, and like <laughs> sailing them off and doing crazy shit. There's also a thing called fragging, which is where. Um, particularly disliked members of the military hierarchy who were often the arbiters of missions and where a lot of people died yeah. were killed by American oh, really? soldiers. It's called fragging. Okay. Yeah. Shit. Hundreds. Yeah. There's records. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And this, yeah, yeah. this is stuff I had no idea about. And I, I knew there was like a lot of, again, my, my, a lot of my relationship with, with that aspect of the war was from movies like mm. apocalypse now, yeah, yeah, which is a pretty, you know, overt representation of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. That sort of the craziness of the war and, and the sort of, um, It's just excess, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah, the excess of the war and the resistance to the war offset against the old school American values Mm. of the war. Yeah, you know, Mash really channels that. I mean, again, it's it's you know, it's it's played for comedy. Yeah, a lot of it, really funny comedy as well. I mean, Mm. I think it's down to a lot of the cast who are excellent. But then the film shifts. Yeah, yeah, and it does become about the horrors of war and the impact of that horror. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sort of underselling it because it has been a while since I've seen it, but I just want to talk about it in that context because you know it, it sort of it, it encapsulates a lot of those ideas. And the same, you could say like something like like you know Good Morning Vietnam,
1: okay, yeah. Also yeah.
0: explores as well, yeah. Uh, this idea of subversion within within the military mm. and something that really isn't explored a great deal in terms of discussions around Vietnam. No, um, no, no. I mean, I mean, because I only came was made aware of it recently just had the extent of that wide subversive behavior that was conducted with the military. I mean the fact that like I said boats stolen whole yes. military units not fighting. That's crazy. Uh, that. The the prisons overflowing with people that didn't that refused to fight, oh, you know, yeah, military okay. prisons and yeah yeah. Um, and, and generals and sergeants or people high ranking officers being killed or threatened. Right, okay. You know, like so crazy. so you know in that sense, in, in that kind of uh the
1: chaotic nature of that do you think then that the mash film took all that and sort of almost warped it into a farce, right? Which is what a
0: lot of the soldiers yeah. thought that the whole ideology or ideology of the war. I was. think so. I, I think it. I think it really channels the yeah the sort of the, the stupidity of it and mm. the silliness yeah, of war. Yeah. And I think the, the the shift to a more serious tone is all the more gut punching because of the way it initially presents those ideas. Yeah, yeah. So I think Altman is I mean, Altman's a f- f- fucking phenomenal filmmaker. He's one of the greats, right, for a reason and he, I, it's a very deliberate decision in the film to set up all these ideas and have a lot of goofy zaniness yeah, yeah. at a point you sort of forget you're watching a war movie <laughs> it's quite strange and it's all done in his sort of classic way I, I, what I love so much about Altman is that sort of way his sound design and the busyness of his films, his films are always so busy Yeah, yeah. it's like cacophonous sound design <laughs> and it's within that you pick the little details out of what he's trying to do through this little little noises, and the little <laughs> little exchanges. Oh, of course. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I, I think I think you're right, and I think it, yeah, it's really worth a go. I keep meaning to check the series out. I'm not sure if it will be sort of lost on me. Um, we had it. We had it at home. We had it on DVD. My mum really
1: got on with the series. Okay. It seemed like because I've I've never liked Dad's Army. I've thought it was okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never got on with it. I don't know what it was. There's something and something that really.
0: Rubs you up the wrong way, that sort of Britishness, that sort of. Yeah, uh, okay. you know, there's uh, a lot of comedies that were very similar in that era. Yeah, um, yeah. Whilst I can understand the reverence, I sort of get what you mean. Yeah, no, yeah.
1: completely. I, I do understand why people do get on, get get behind it as well. But I always remember thinking when, like, MASH was playing, I remember thinking, that's funnier than Dad's Army. Like, that's a <laughs> lot funnier. The Americans have done war comedy so much better. Oh, wow, okay. Um, yeah. i
0: the cat amongst the pigeons. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> Just throw that in there, see what happens. Yeah, yeah. Don't like it, mate. Deal Don't with it. Don't like it. it. <sighs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, yeah uh, I think I wanted to briefly talk about and this is this is this film is centered around a very specific occurrence that is essential in war and warfare, and that's the arms dealership, effectively. Oh yes. So, yeah, yeah. Lord of War, Nicolas Cage, um, not a perfect film at all. Like a lot of problems, actually. It's really trite. It's really obvious in what it's trying to say. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It, I think sometimes you know you, you you try and convey horror and like the horrors of war, but you end up just saying something really obvious. yeah, He's <laughs> yeah, yeah. being like, war is shit. yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. We know. Yeah. But there are some really good moments in that film. Uh, by And one particular scene I want to point out is it's right at the end. Spoilers ahead. Go and watch Lord of War. Not perfect, but worth a go. Worth a stab. Like a good decent two hours of a, a good Nicolas Cage performance. Anyway, the, at the end of the film, arms dealer Nicolas Cage finally gets caught by Ethan Hawke. Oh, yeah. And he's pursued by him this entire film. I forgot he's in it. Yeah, and so, like, Nicolas Cage's character's life has fallen apart, his wife's left him, everything's crumbled around him. The only thing he has left is what he's good at, and that's selling guns, right? And he's been caught, so... But it's weird, you, you never... You, you kind of look at him, you like, you're not reacting dreadfully to this at all. And there's this moment at the end where he says to Ethan Hawke, directly to his face... He's, someone's going to come in here in a minute and tell me that I'm going to be released. And the reason for that is because America needs me just as much as America's enemies need me. So he sells guns to fucking everyone, right? Right, okay. And it just, like, whilst the majority of the film is, like, really, really obvious in its message, that bit hits home for me. I think that, like, mm. it does convey the ultimate theme of the morality of funding killing basically and and how he's just he he sells it to the americans need his guns just as much as the Mm. opposition needs guns and it just sort of sells that the in the realization that he's not actually a criminal at all Uh, whilst he's portrayed as a criminal throughout the the majority of the film right at the end you realize like oh no he he's he's on everyone's side Mm. (laughs) um yeah um not perfect as i say but interesting Mm little movie. I like it. There's got a good opening sequence as well. It's like a uh, the, the life of a bullet. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. the credit sequence. Yeah yeah, 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 it's got all of that. It's got that song which is in a lot of war films. Um
0: No, I, I it's interesting I'm not considering it in that context. I guess it speaks to the idea of um how wars are manufactured, how conflict is manufactured. Yeah, man. By yeah. dominant powers. I mm. mean I mean again I'm not saying this from the perspective of our home country not doing it of course it did but Americans are very much known for stirring the pot yeah, oh, <laughs> in complete. many different countries if you think about their involvement during the Cold War for instance in yeah yeah in Latin America, you know, propping yeah, yeah, yeah. up fascist dictatorships like Pinochet, you know, yeah, yeah, um, purely to sort of fight that the roll back the communist sphere of influence. Yeah, it's
1: weird how transparent they are uh, in terms of like them being very self interested sometimes. Yeah, yeah, and it's just yeah.
0: there. The history is there. You can yeah. clearly see that they have done that, and yeah, yeah, to it's... the
1: point in which you know at the end of Lord of the War they end up releasing a like a, a criminal, a war yeah. criminal who, yeah. who is responsible for the deaths of like. Millions of American soldiers, <laughs> purely because ultimately it doesn't matter. They need him. Like, in, yeah, yeah. You know, there's no morality there at all. It's you know, it's all about the the, the cash, <laughs> the, the dollars, cash. as yeah. it were. Yeah, the
0: the American military industrial complex. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, no, that's I don't. Yeah, that's Lord of War. It's funny. You can write that film off in the sense that it is clearly made for mostly for entertainment purposes. I think. Yeah, it um, it follows the
1: kind of Goodfellas model. Yeah, uh, yeah, the rise yeah. and
0: fall, and yeah. by extension, Citizen Kane,
1: that kind of thing. It's yeah. very ordinary in that respect. Uh, it's got a really good soundtrack. Actually, um, there's a lot to love about Lord of War if you're willing to, yeah, you know,
0: accept that it's not very nuanced. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think you're right. I'd not considered that element. This sort of mm. the that end sequence. Yeah. Yeah. Jared Leto gets shot in it as well. So oh yes, he does, go. doesn't he? Yeah, yeah.
1: Cool. Yeah. Uh real quickly, wind turbine research. Uh wind turbines were invented in eighteen ninety-six by Winslow Turbine. <laughs> oh really? No. Oh okay. <laughs> I could, could have fooled me. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Winslow Turbine. I love the idea that, that <laughs> they were turbine. they were named after a guy and not what their function.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I fell for it. There you go. Uh outro. Outro Questing the cinematic So there we have it then. Yay, hey, hey. there he is. Yeah, enjoyed that. Yeah, no, I mean, I always it enjoy it. Mm. Uh, you know, why else, why else would we do this? Yeah, um, yeah. It was good to dig into that. It's a genre that I haven't thought about in quite a while.
1: Yeah, it's on a par with horror films in that, you know, from a, in a very simplistic level, why do you enjoy them? They're mm. filled with horrendous stuff but there and i'm not saying for a second that i take delight in watching atrocities (laughs) unfold but there is something to be said about how popular war films can be and like you know in the context that they're displaying something which is overtly horrific right yeah probably you know sometimes they're a recruitment tool i guess and sometimes they are sort of art pieces that are you know more
0: reflective. Yeah,
1: and more sort of from a pacifist's perspective. And sometimes a bit of both. Um, yeah. So,
0: yeah. I mean, it's interesting, actually, just before we talk about the war film we're going to cover next week, I was I saw a really interesting article about how Marvel films are tied quite deeply, quite in bed with the US, United States military. Oh, really? Particularly like with Captain Marvel, which yeah. they actually made a rec- recruitment ad with no relaunching for the for the air force,
1: yeah, oh, yeah, I think I remember that. Yeah, remember so that. it's yeah.
0: interesting. I think they they're probably in bed with a lot of these big studios more than we realize. And as a recruitment yeah. tool, mm. I mean, Marvel would be a pretty good place to go, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Just everybody watches them.
1: Top Gun as well. That uh, they, oh yeah, they had stations outside uh, of cinemas, like uh, basically trying to induct people into um, the United States. Is it United States Air Force? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah which is baffling to me. Um, I didn't find that out quite
0: till quite recently. It's Top Gun. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's just like strange, isn't it, year. that you, yeah. you're going to watch a film that's so, so, a case of Top Gun. I haven't seen a new one, actually, but um, the, the idea that you'd go and watch this film, which is obviously a fanciful portrayal of not this complete. way of life. Yeah, yeah, not everyone. Can. And then you'd come out and think, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to go straight and sign up. That's yeah, weird. Yeah, it is me. odd. Yeah, yeah. But, it's odd. You know, maybe it's just we're not of that inclination. Maybe not, no. <laughs> Again, we'd be in the bin. Yes. <laughs> uh, okay, so next week, Return to Seoul. Yes. Uh, a film by director Davy Chow. A film that seems to focus a lot on the search for identity. Yeah, yeah. Um, a film that, again, whilst we were together in the watershed eating Skittles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the tropical flavour. Interesting. Nice, very nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah. enjoyed. Not sponsored. Enjoyed not sponsored. <laughs> yeah. Yet. You know. That's what I quite like about The Watershed is that, you know, we'll go and watch one film and then we'll see a trailer and be like, huh, we need to cover that. Yeah, and You just yeah. feel like you have to cover it because Instant. of the trailer. Yeah, that yeah. happened with The Beast, didn't it? It did, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, looking forward to covering that uh, in the next episode. I know we mentioned blood Exploitation. Yeah. Stars aren't aligned yet, but they will. I yeah. promise you it won't be long before we're talking all things Danny Dyer. Yeah. But until that happens, you're going to have Soul. Yes.
2: <laughs> or return to it. A return yeah, to yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, that that, that will be
0: yeah, the uh, bloke's
1: still on the cards 100%. Looking forward to it, but yeah, as and when. Yeah, I feel know. like
0: we we're, we're just we, we we're just so excited about it like we just keep mentioning yeah, it, but yeah. it will come um, <laughs> yeah. because it's just an opportunity to talk about something that is really fucking hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> but uh anyway, yes, return soul next week. In the meantime, have a good one and mm. we'll catch you in the next one. See you then. Bye-bye. Bye.